Amen. Amen. While I got you standing, let's go ahead and turn to, to some scripture today. Um, as you know by now that this is our Thanksgiving service. So today, uh, we're going to talk about a very special topic, and I'll put a little plug in for Spirit Life. Um, starting next week in Spirit Life, we're going to do we're going to begin a new series, and we're going to trace um, the theme of the Holy Spirit and the way God interacts with His creation and His world all the way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So today, I'm going to give uh, a little bit of a high overview of that, and we're going to talk about being thankful for the Spirit being thankful for the Holy Spirit. Let's go to John chapter 16 and verse 7. Uh, the scriptures that I have are a collection of um, the NASB version, the New King James, and the Amplified, so I'll be sure to let you know which one's which, but this one is in the NASB, New American Standard Bible. This is Jesus speaking, and he says something here um, that really stood out to me. I was reading a book uh, this week, and I'll share a little bit more with you, but I was reading this book, and the author pointed to this scripture when he was talking about the Holy Spirit. Look at how powerful these words are that Jesus said. He says, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We're gonna unpack that a little bit today. Uh, as we talk about being thankful for the Spirit. You can all be seated. Thank you, Brother Dean. So in Spirit Life this morning, um, Sister Calhoun gave an amazing message on thankfulness, the Sabbath of thankfulness, the rest that it brings in your mind, man. It was powerful, and one thing that always stands out to me is how, you know, we do research in our own, like, earthly wisdom, and it just, I think Sister Cahoon hit it on the head, that we do research, and, and the research that, that, you know, humans do on each other um, pretty much just confirms what Scripture says, and it's amazing. We talked about the spiritual and the physical benefits of being thankful. And psychologists will tell you it is so much better for your overall health to just be thankful, to be grateful, to not be negative. Um, and it has a multitude of effects on your physical body and your spiritual body. And I love how that just confirms God tells us all throughout the Bible to be thankful, be thankful. But there's something in particular that I am extremely thankful for and it is the Holy Spirit. So um, today, you know, we're really focused on thankfulness, but I have a practice that I would challenge all of you to do every day. At, uh, as most of you know, I manage a BMO Harris branch location, and every morning we do a morning huddle where we talk about, like, what's going to happen that day, what appointments do we have, like, what can we expect? But before we even start that, I start off every day by asking our entire team, what is your one good thing today? Because I really believe in being thankful and showing gratitude. And, you know, sometimes you, get, you go through that exercise and you're like, I don't know. You know I, I can think of many times where, you know, I've asked one of my team members, uh, what's your one good thing today? What are you thankful for? And they're like, man, I don't know. Like nothing has gone well so far today. And my response to that is, well, you got breath in your body, don't you? 
We always have something to be thankful for. And being thankful is uh, so much more than just something we do one week a year or one month a year. Uh, I would challenge you to make it every single day. Find your one good thing and say it out loud. I'm thankful for whatever it is today. I'm thankful for breath in my body. I'm thankful for health. I'm thankful for my job or my career, whatever it is. Lord, I'm thankful for your spirit. I'm thankful that you filled my heart with your presence, right? Find something to be thankful for. Um, today, we're gonna talk through being thankful for the spirit. So I have three points that I wanna hit um, with you. I, I, I want us to unpack what, what is it exactly that the Holy Spirit does? And that's a very big topic. So I would invite you to come back for Spirit Life next week to understand that in a more in-depth environment. But we're gonna talk about what exactly does the Holy Spirit do for us? We're gonna talk about the promise in Scripture in the Old Testament that this, uh, the Spirit of God was promised multiple times in the Old Testament. And then we're gonna talk about the fulfillment. And I have a couple testimonies that I wanna share with you at the end of our discussion today too. Is that okay? All right. So in our opening text, we see a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. This is what Jesus says before that scripture. We read John uh, 16, verse 7, but I want to back up and read to you verses 5 and 6 to give you a little more context. The scripture, this one I'm going to read in the New King James. It says, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. This conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples was not uh, very fun for the disciples because Jesus was explaining to them that, that he was going to go away, that he, he would have to die. And I mean, think about this from a disciple's perspective. They're not God. Uh, they don't understand fully what God was about to do. They had the prophecy of the Old Testament to lean on, but in their limited understanding, they could not quite see how their teacher, their Messiah, the one that they have spent almost 1,095 consecutive days with was going to leave them and die and how that was a good thing. It was beyond their grasp for most of their ministry until Jesus died and was resurrected. So Jesus recognizes that in that discussion he's having with them that they became sorrowful, that they began the grieving process while Jesus was on earth because he was telling them, I'm gonna die. I'm going somewhere that you cannot follow me, right? So um, this did not seem like a very high moment for the disciples to have their teacher explain to them uh, what was about to happen. But Jesus followed it up by saying that it's actually beneficial that he dies, it's beneficial for them that he dies and ultimately for the entire world. And what on earth could Jesus be talking about? Why would it be beneficial that their Messiah would die and be separated from them for a period of time? How, how would that be beneficial? Well, Jesus explains to them, it's beneficial for you because if I don't die, the comforter, the helper, the spirit of God cannot come. And we're gonna unpack that a little bit uh, later, but... When Jesus is explaining this to the disciples, I am reminded of what Jesus, the conversation that he had with Nicodemus in John chapter three. Because Jesus and Nicodemus had this really in-depth conversation about the kingdom of God. 
And Nicodemus was asking him, you know, or not really asking him, but just wanted to meet him. And Jesus, understanding where Nicodemus was in the, his heart and what he was desiring from Jesus, Jesus begins to explain to him this whole new birth experience. In John chapter 3, um, verses 5 and 6 specifically in the New King James say this, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, capital S Spirit, meaning God's Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. So notice what Jesus links the Spirit to. He links it to new creation, to new identity. That's what Jesus explains to Nicodemus is that if you're born of the flesh, you have a fleshly identity. Your, your identity is based in the world. It's based in humanity it's ba- and, and all of the things that that entails. But if you're born of the spirit, you are now spirit, something new, a new creation, a new being. The old has passed away and something else has come to, uh, something else has become new. And when you link this to what Jesus was saying, the spirit cannot come unless Jesus dies. Well, now when he's having this conversation with Nicodemus, he's explaining what exactly it is that the spirit does. It gives us a new identity and gives us a new creation. Um, This was an amazing link between the spirit and what it does Um, because what Jesus was showing is that the Holy Spirit brings what's called regeneration. It brings new creation. That's what the word regeneration means. Um, And this book that I was reading this past week is called Everyday Theology, and there's a, a professor that wrote it, Dr. Gabriel Etzel. Um, the, the book is very, very good. And uh, he, start, he, he goes through four or five chapters on the Holy Spirit. And one of the points that he makes is that regeneration as a, uh, as a new birth that is spiritual in nature and is a reoccurring theme throughout Scripture, regeneration is a new birth and brings new creation to the life of an individual. 2 Corinthians, we see this in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 in the New King James says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So, uh, and then Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5 in the New King James also say, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, right? Don't get it twisted. There's nothing we could do to save ourselves. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus explaining to Nicodemus that you have to be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. And then Jesus later telling his disciples that I have to die so that the comforter can come to you. What Jesus was saying is that it's beneficial for you that I die because you can receive new birth after I'm gone. So how that relates to us today is that, uh, you know what, I might be getting ahead of myself for a second. Let me back up a little bit. But in short, the Holy Spirit creates a new heart. The heart, uh, or it creates a new in the heart of a human. John chapter three, verse eight, Jesus explains something else about the Spirit. So we have one thing that Jesus established is that the Holy Spirit is linked to regeneration, to new creation, to renewal. John chapter three, verse eight in the New King James, Jesus explains something else about the Spirit. 
And he says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So what you see here is Jesus linking the Spirit to the energizing power of the wind. This is important. This is an important uh, uh, point in Scripture because what Jesus is saying is that the Holy Spirit is the energizing breath that proceeds from the mouth of God. You might not pick up on that when Jesus says it right here, but Jesus knew who he was talking to. He knew Nicodemus was a studied man in Scripture. And if you look in the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit show up in the book of Genesis. And you see the Holy Spirit show up in Psalms. David talks about it when it's linked to creation. So think of it this way. Number one, the Holy Spirit is linked to regeneration, to new life. And number two, the Holy Spirit is the energizing power that proceeds from God. The Holy Spirit, it's likened unto wind here. You can't see wind. Nobody can see uh, what wind is, but you can hear it. You can't see the wind, but you can see its effects on the world. You can watch trees move and leaves fall, and you can throw grass in the air when you're out on the golf tee to see which direction the wind's going. So you can see the effects, but you can't see the wind itself. That's what the Spirit of God is like. It is like a breath. Psalm 33, verse 6, David says this. In the New King James, he says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. He's referencing Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, creation, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Breath is a very important word because it's a, it's a very similar word in the Hebrew as we use it in, the, uh, in, in Greek which literally translates wind most of the time to a breath. It's the same way that uh, if you translate the specific Greek word when Jesus says the wind blows where it wishes, it literally means breath. So what David gets at is that the Holy Spirit is linked to the energizing power of God. The Holy Spirit is the creative and energizing force that flows from God's mouth. It is, in its very core, the Holy Spirit is God in action. So this means that all of the workings of God are worked by the Holy Spirit. So miracles, signs, wonders, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the energizing power that spins the universe. It's the energizing power that gives us breath every single day. The Old Testament writers wrote about this, that it's the breath of God that fills our nostrils when we take a breath. So the Holy Spirit is an ongoing experience. It's not a one time you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you're good the rest of your life. No, the Holy Spirit constantly rejuvenates our soul. It constantly renews our spirit. It constantly works in our life through miracles, signs, wonders. It works through the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. This Holy Spirit, if you could boil it down to one thing that's most important, is that it is a daily encounter with God. That's what the Holy Spirit is. So the promise. In the Old Testament, we see multiple promises. I, I grabbed three just for your benefit today. But we see multiple promises where God promised his people that he was going to pour out his spirit on them and in them, not just on them, but in them. Because in the Old Testament, many times you see the Spirit of God came upon someone. 
to give them supernatural strength or to give them supernatural ability. Or I think about when they're designing the temple, the Bible says, I can't pronounce this guy's name. It starts with a B, okay? But the, bi- or the tabernacle, it, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon this man so that he could do work, uh, creative work with, uh, with metals and with uh, tapestries and, and all of the things. So we see that in the Old Testament, but there was a promise that God was not just going to work on man, but God was going to dwell in man. In 835 BC, long time ago, 835 BC, there was a prophet by the name of Joel that was walking on this earth. And he prophesied, Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. This is in the NASB version. He says, it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. God says he will pour out his own spirit, his breath. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams. Your young men will see visions. And even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. What a promise that the children of Israel were looking forward to. And then you fast forward a couple hundred years in 620 BC, there was a prophet by the name of Jeremiah that was walking on this earth. And he prophesied, Jeremiah 31 and verse 33 In the NASB, he says, For this is the covenant which I make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and write it on their heart, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So you notice in these two prophecies that God is dealing with being in mankind, not just dwelling among and with, but being in mankind. And then fast forward a little bit later, 597 BC. So this is, I'm giving you the years to let you know, these prophecies were given well before the time of Jesus and well before the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts chapter two. We're gonna get to that in a minute. But Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, prophesied about this as well. Ezekiel 36 verses 26 and 27 in the New King James says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. God's people eagerly awaited the day that these promises would be fulfilled. And if you notice, specifically in Ezekiel's prophecy, and actually in Jeremiah's as well, but we see the same connection to new identity in these prophecies as what Jesus said when you're born again. Uh, Jeremiah prophesied that I will be their God and they shall be my people, that there's gonna be an adoption that takes place, that these people who are born of the Spirit, these people who receive the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Spirit, will be God's people. And then Ezekiel even says it, that, uh, that my Spirit within you will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. The Holy Spirit, this energizing essence, this energizing power that proceeds from the mouth of God dwells inside of man or can dwell inside of man because that's a choice we have to make. But it can dwell inside of man. It changes our identity and gives us power to live in that new identity. So this isn't just an empty promise from the Old Testament. Acts chapter two, we see the fulfillment 
of this expected promise. Acts chapter two, verses two through four in the NASB say, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place and suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, uh, distributing themselves and a tongue rested on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. There's a couple things that you'll notice here when the Holy Spirit was poured out. The same theme of wind is used. Jesus said to Nicodemus, the spirit is like the wind. You can't see it, but you can hear it. You can't see it, but you can see the effects. And in Acts chapter two, God chose to use that as a sign that his spirit had filled that place. He chose to allow them to hear the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, signifying that his spirit had just entered the building. And then it didn't just stop there. His spirit didn't just stop by entering that upper room. It entered the hearts of every person that was there. That wind, the breath from the mouth of God, Uh, filled their hearts. They were no longer just surrounded by the presence, but now the presence was in them and it gave them supernatural ability to know that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So finally, the fulfillment of these Old Testament prophecies, the, the, these, these promises, the, the prophecies had happened and this, uh, uh, even Peter um, references the prophecy of Joel when he's preaching about what is this experience, what is this wind that they heard, what is all this crazy commotion, Peter references Joel. This is what was prophesied, that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon his people. Hebrews chapter 8 also explains that this is when Jeremiah's prophecy is fulfilled, when the new law was written in their hearts and that God changed their identity. This is why Jesus said, it's better if I go. Because if I'm on this earth, you can't have this experience. That's what he was telling the disciples. If I don't die, this cannot happen. So it's for our benefit that Jesus is not here with us in physical form. Because he went away and he died on the cross and bled for our sins and now we can have remission from our sins, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. While Jesus was on the earth, think of it this way, while Jesus was on the earth, he was around his people. They could interact with him physically. They ate with him. They, you know, enjoyed his presence. But after he died, now he could fill his people. He could be inside of them every day. And this spirit is the creative, energizing force of God that can reside now inside of our hearts. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 3.16 in the NASB version. He said, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? It's better to have Jesus on the inside because we get to experience freedom, love, and power that it brings to our life. 2 Corinthians 3.17 in the Amplified says this about the Spirit of God. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And the Amplified adds in emancipation from bondage and freedom. 1 John 4.4 says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 
the Spirit promises freedom from sin and addiction. The Spirit promises freedom from darkness and depression. The Spirit promises freedom of past pain and shame. The Spirit promises freedom from anxiety and fear and freedom from guilt and regret. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, that it's constantly at work in the life of one who has been filled. That old person doesn't exist anymore. Thank God for that. That old person doesn't exist anymore. When the Spirit gets in somebody's heart, as Paul said, old things have passed away and all things have become new. That new creation. This is a clean slate, a fresh start, an opportunity to leave the garbage where it belongs in the past. The fulfillment of that promise was not just for the early church or the apostles or the the original disciples. It wasn't just for that. Paul said, Acts 2.39, he said, for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. The Holy Spirit is still in operation today. And it is a free gift, the best gift, the gift we should be the most thankful for. And if you don't have it today, you can receive it today. I want to wrap up by just sharing with you some personal testimonies of how I've seen the Spirit at work in my life. Now, this one I wasn't a witness to, but this, my mom shared this with me. My Papa Pagel is my mom's dad. Uh, he, my mom remember, they, they, they ended up getting in church. My Papa was filled with the Holy Spirit when my mom was about three years old. So <clears throat> my mom doesn't really remember a whole lot of how my Paul Paul was before this experience, but he shared with us, you know, over the years and in sharing his testimony. And he shared that before, before he encountered Jesus, he was uh, an alcoholic. Just, I, I use that term lightly. I mean, like, <laughs> seriously, I mean lightly. Um, but he, you know, he did not live a good life. He lived a rough life. He had difficulties in pretty much every area of his life. And this testimony, when he received, when he first came into a to apostolic church, he knew that there was something different. And in that very first service, that preacher was talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost and how it can change your life. It can make you new. It can renew your heart. You don't have to live the way you're living now. And he received that message. And he lifted his hands and God filled him with the Holy Spirit. Just like in the book of Acts, speaking in tongues. All, it, God filled him with the Spirit. And when he, he, he was so changed by that experience that he walked down to the altar laid his thermos on the altar, which was just full of vodka all the time, and his cigarettes, and never looked back. Now, God don't always operate that way. Sometimes he does work slowly in those areas. But I remember my grandfather sharing that testimony with his family and just how God had changed his life. Like that, that is the power of the Holy Spirit, to immediately change somebody renew somebody, like really work on somebody. This next story was one I, I was a part of, and 
it had me scared to death. I'll be honest with you. I sh- I've shared this story maybe a couple of years ago in Spirit Life class. But when I was in college, I went to UW Rock County. And I, you know, hung out with the same group of, group of kids like every day. And we were eating lunch one day. And they used to, they used, this bothered me, but they used to call me, they used to call me Pastor Reese. Because, I mean, they knew, you know, they knew my testimony and I had shared with them. And, uh, but th- there was one day that we were sitting down for lunch and Nick, my friend who unfortunately passed away a couple years ago, tragically, he, he looked at me and he's like, man, you know, my, my friend's mom has cancer. Do you think like you would be willing to pray? I was scared to death, right? Cause when you're put on the spot like that, like, you know, and there's 11 other people at this table. And uh, I felt a little bit convicted because my friend here, Nick, it felt a little bit like he had more faith than I did. And I was scared. I was almost, almost said, I will pray for them. You know, you know how we do that sometimes when somebody's like, hey, I got a need, I will pray for that. I'll take that home, I'll pray on my own, and we'll pray about that. But I mean, he put me on the spot and was like, can you pray? So I was like, sure, I guess so. Everybody's 11 other pairs of eyes are staring at me. Like, what's my answer? What am I going to say? No. (laughs) So we started to bow our heads, and then somebody, like, hit me on the arm and wanted to hold my hand. Like, 11 college kids that were not living for God. Like, I would tell you, like, they were not living for God. Started holding hands and bowed their head and were, like, looking at me like, let's pray. And... (laughs) So I bowed my head, and I didn't, what was amazing about this story is that I didn't feel anything. You know, like sometimes we just expect, like, presence of God, like, bust the door open, everybody slain in the spirit, and we're just like, something miraculous. I didn't feel that. And we just prayed, Lord, I, I pray that you would touch this woman that I've never met in my life. <laughs> um, I said her name, but, you know, I pray that you would touch her. We believe that you can heal this woman. Would you believe that two to three days later, Nick texts me out of the blue. And he's like, dude, I got to tell you, she had a doctor's appointment. They don't have, she don't have cancer anymore. <laughs> a bunch of college kids just had faith to believe that the Holy Spirit would move in that situation. And that faith just activated something. It got God's attention. And he, uh, the Holy Spirit did such a work in that lady's life. And to my knowledge, she has been in remission ever since. Powerful stuff. So when we're talking about the Spirit, we're not talking about some abstract idea. We're talking about the power of God, his ability, not our ability, his ability to step in and change situations. I got another story, and this is where I'm going to wrap up. I had a friend of mine who I grew up with. He was in a horrible car accident. This was after I had moved to Wisconsin. He was in a horrible accident. This was in Memphis, Tennessee, and it completely shattered his pelvis, like to the point where he had the external like halo holding his body together, could not walk, was in, you know, a wheelchair for six months. Well, 
during that time, he unfortunately got addicted to painkillers. And when, when he was finally able to walk, he just fell into hard drugs, heroin, cocaine, like severe alcohol, just all kinds of stuff. Because he was in pain, like he was hurting. And he was, and this is a, a guy that I grew up in church with. Unfortunately, he just turned to the wrong stuff and it tore up his life. I mean, horrible relationship with his parents, you know, severed relationships with friends and, you know, just, it was horrible, horrible. But there was one Sunday that he decided he was gonna go to church with his family. And this was, I mean, a few years after being deep in, in, in drugs and alcohol. And he went to church that one Sunday and I mean, there wasn't anything special about that. It was, you know, Sunday service. And they went to church, but something, something got a hold of him that Sunday. Just, I remember him sharing this with me, just like a feeling that he was almost hopeless. Like that's the way he describes it. He was almost hopeless. And he said the only thing that he knew to do was to just like lift his hands and ask God for help. Like that was all he knew to do. And he did. He lifted up both his hands and he told me the only thing that he said to God was, God, I need your help. And look at God, because God didn't just leave him there begging for help. I can tell you today, now he's had a road of recovery, but I can tell you today that he has been sober for years, that he has been living for God. He got married, he got right back, he got back right with God and he's working on his life. Like he's got a career now, he's got a relationship. He's, his, the relationship between his parents and him are, is repaired. Like that's the kind of God that we serve. That's how powerful his spirit is that when he just speaks, things happen. When he breathes out of his mouth, something happens. Like rejuvenation happens. It doesn't matter how far gone you might think you are. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and you invite the spirit into your heart, that's when the regeneration happens. That's when renewal happens. If you need a miracle today, I can tell you right now that I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that God can do absolutely anything. I have seen it in my life. I've not lived long, but I have seen the miracles of God. I've seen God deliver people and take care of people and provide when there was no provision. I've seen the Spirit of God work in people's lives. Let's all stand. So today, I'm thankful for the Spirit of God. I am thankful for the creative power that comes from God. I am thankful for that energizing power that every time I breathe, I feel vitality in my body. I am thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for the fresh start. I'm thankful for the freedom of a past that's spotted and scarred with, with sin and addiction or whatever. I'm thankful for the regeneration of our heart and soul. I am thankful that the Spirit is available today for everyone. There is no need to delay. There is no need to delay. If you need the Spirit to refill you, he will today. If you need the Spirit to fill you for the first time, He will today. 
there's just so much to be thankful for. And his spirit is so powerful. Can we all come down to the, to the altar as a family? It's just a show of faith. I hope this word is encouraging to you because in essence, all that I'm trying to say is that if you need anything today, God's spirit can do everything. I am that I am. That's what God called himself in Exodus. I am that I am. Whatever you need me to be, whatever, if it's provision, if you need provision, the spirit can provide that today. If you need healing, the spirit can provide that today. If you need deliverance from addiction, the spirit can provide that today. Let's lift up the spirit and thank him for what he is going to do. Father, we are so thankful that you have filled us with your spirit and we're so thankful that your spirit is available to every person today. It wasn't just a special gift for the apostles or for the, the New Testament church. This is a gift for everyone today, God. I just ask that your spirit would move in here like a wind, like it did in scripture, God. We wanna experience you. We want to feel you all around us and inside of us, God, not just to experience physically, but spiritual rebirth, spiritual renewal, regeneration in our life, God. We can call on that spirit whenever we need something, God, and we're so thankful that you are as close as the mention of your name. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Quicken our hearts and souls today in the name of Jesus. nothing worth more that could ever come close nothing can compare you're our living hope your presence Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence.